0: Well, welcome everyone to the Sunday Recap. It's good to see you guys.
1: It's good to see you, Chris. How you doing? What's up? It's good to see you, Mitch.
2: Good to see
0: you.
1: (laughs) It's good to see you. This
2: shirt, which none of you can see, you convinced me. I bought more comfort color shirts based off of your recommendation. Like a plain color? Yeah. It's a brand. It's super comfy.
1: Yeah. And
0: they're colorful. They are comfort colors.
1: They are comfort colors. Our new
0: sponsor. Hey! I wish <laughs> they're uh, not giving us anything, but we can call it that, I guess.
1: I <laughs> actually, I have some in my Amazon cart because of our conversation. <laughs> yeah, I just bought, right? I yeah. bought two of them. Yeah.
0: The other
2: day, I was like, I'm gonna buy more.
0: What's the deal sense. with it? Is it like it's a plain T-shirt
2: uh, that you get stuff printed on? Okay. You know the long sleeve tees we did for Motion one year that was like the Status Forward shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The teal one. Um, yeah. So I just bought some plain ones. I was like, these are really comfortable, yeah. and they're only ten dollars or so depending on the one you Mm -hmm. get you can buy them on amazon i will tell you what i will
0: wear a shirt i will i will be more likely to pick a shirt out of my closet to wear because i like the feel and the cut of it over like what's printed on it things like that yeah absolutely
1: yeah and for the listeners at home he's wearing a pocket tee in a graphite color
0: yep graphite Mm. wow gray
2: gray to the rest (laughs) of you out there (laughs) or gray yeah Yeah.
0: Uh, short (laughs) sleeve yeah yeah,
1: unisex cut. Mhm, it is
2: yeah. actually.
1: All right,
0: all right. Well, now that we know what Mitch is wearing, um... <laughs> what are you wearing, Chris? <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, I bet, I bet <laughs> our <laughs> <laughs> listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a he Star Wars. He has a Darth Vader seat.
2: suit on this morning. <laughs> 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 Just kidding. He has a Star Wars T-shirt on. But... Oh my goodness. <laughs> Because it knows Uh, every week Chris comes in full Star Wars outfits for our
0: podcast. Not true. nobody knows. (laughs) Oh, man. I I do have an assortment of graphic tees, Star Wars, Marvel Universe, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's fun.
1: Today he's wearing a TIE fighter tee mm-hmm. in the vintage look.
0: The vintage look, yeah. Being chased. Yeah. Is he being chased and,
1: by the X-Wing?
0: You know yes. what? The thing yeah. is- He's uh, just dropping
2: knowledge to people right now. No there. one cares. Let me no put one cares. some subtle hints that I like Star Wars
0: in this tee. Oh, man. Uh, I just wanted to be a good
1: descriptor. <laughs> To my friends
0: at home that's right that's good yep well welcome in to the Sunday recap uh, we are so glad you joined us today we're going to be talking through second Kings chapter four this very crazy story of elisha raising this son of the Shunammite woman uh, before we get to that we do need to talk about you probably saw the email this week that Ariel uh, has uh, resigned from her position here um, so we just wanted to address that and just say, hey like you're you're gonna be leaving and we're sad and and what's going on with that? So um, we just wanted
1: to address that and say that we're sad.
0: Mm-hmm. I yeah. appreciate
1: it. I actually I'm sad too. I think that making um, choices for my family, um, I just had to rank priorities and um, mm. I need some time to focus on them. and man, I love ministry, and it's it's really hard to leave, really hard to leave, especially like as we're getting ready to launch our fall things, I just wanna I want to see all of that take off well. And mm-hmm. um, but yes, I am stepping down. Thirty first is my last day on Sunday. So um, I just want to say if, if we've served together, I have loved it. You know, I'm mm-hmm. so glad that um, that that we have this church and these people and this time. And so it's been a really really good thing. And um, yeah. I really mm-hmm. love you guys too. I yeah. do. It's been fun. It's yeah. been a good I've had a good run. <laughs> That's a yeah. good trio.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the neat thing is the three of us have worked really closely together over the last three, three and a half years mm-hmm. or so, just um, in particular because we each had these roles of the three Bs, right? So yeah. Ariel really oversaw Belong. Um, I was overseeing Become and Mitch was overseeing uh, Beyond. Uh, so, so those three roles really encompass, I, 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 would, I would argue, the, the whole discipleship process for our adult ministry here at church. Uh, And it was, um, I I think, a really neat dynamic that the three of us got to work together and Mm -hmm. and do that. Uh, But with the changes that have happened this year and, you know, so with Ariel stepping down, with Mitch uh, moving into student ministry, all that's kind of changing. We're, we're, you know, we're doing some new hires and things like that, kind of looking around uh, at at that sort of stuff. So uh, dynamically, you know, that's all going to change. But it has been a really great season. It's been a great season of ministry. We
2: had a good run, folks.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We had a good run. So um, just for a podcast side, um, going forward, just so that you know, Ariel uh, is not going anywhere. Uh, she's So she's still a member here at Stones Crossing Church. Her and her family, they're not leaving. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and Ariel has agreed to also be part of the podcast uh, yeah. going yeah. forward, which is great.
1: I appreciate you asking because this is, I mean, it is fun to talk about um, just theological Issues and even just to dive into the scriptures together and and recap what we what we heard Sunday. But um, Mm -hmm. I gotta say, on Sunday Sunday was a little bit um, interesting because there were several people who were surprised that we were staying, and I just felt so crushed for church ministry as a whole that you know typically when people leave their role mm-hmm. on staff they leave their church and right. so i am thankful that we are staying yeah um, and digging in so yeah.
2: as we go on <laughs> what is it
1: and a friend all right friend, be-
2: friend. <laughs> yeah. oh, before we start this podcast today we're gonna have a clip of baby photos of ariel from now <laughs> <on> until, <laughs> until her <laughs> please. exit please, oh, man. please enjoy yeah. oh
0: my gosh <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super excited that you're going to still be on the podcast with us. I'm excited to keep doing that. Um, and, uh, and then of course, um, we are certain that God is not done with you in ministry (laughs) and things like that. You're, you're, uh, you, you are so talented and so, um, so gifted in ministry in so many different ways. And so I... I can't imagine that yeah that this is the the end of a ministry career for you. So
1: I hope not. I yeah. yeah I, I would love to serve the Lord as long as I live and I just yeah, yeah I think that um, my seminary professor said something really good to me about this and he said that uh, the ministry is a marathon, it is a lifelong commitment mm-hmm. right. and it's okay to take breaks. Mm-hmm. It's okay to take rests, um, so that you can prepare yourself for the next season of ministry.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, so that's really good. That's good. Go ahead and uh, jump into <clears throat> Second Kings chapter four, Elisha. And <laughs> 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 make it sound really cool. Tell.
1: Yeah, I think we should wrap it after <laughs> you gave that intro. It should.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. When the
1: child has grown. <laughs> <laughs>
2: One of the main reasons we want to keep Ariel around is because not a chance I'm reading.
0: <laughs> this, <laughs> this is a long today, passage. Not yeah.
2: a chance. This is a, this is <laughs> a long that's
0: passage. That's true. But I'm not reading it, <laughs> Man. Uh, But that's okay. We I, I I think I think we do need to re- reread this passage. It's a it's a good story. There's a lot of drama in this yeah. story, which is really interesting. Um, uh, one thing I do want to say before we read it. Um, so this chapter, I think, is, is a fascinating chapter in 2 Kings because it's nestled between two very different stories where um, it, it seems like like Elisha is dealing more with sort of like national issues in chapter 3. And then when you get to chapter 5, this is Naaman, and, and so he's kind of involved, but um, it's more about what's going on with Naaman. What's happening in chapter four is you actually have four different stories there, um, and and the one that we re, that we're going to be dealing with here is the longest of the four. Of these four stories, what you see in here are where Elisha is actually doing things on a very personal level with individuals. Um, he's got a ministry to these individual people, and I think that's significant to what this whole passage is about, because um, because the what the what this passage is what this whole chapter is doing is kind of setting apart like, hey, Elijah actually really has compassion on people, cares about people, um, and and how that then ultimately reflects the care and compassion of God. So um, so yeah, let's go ahead and read the, the passage. Uh, this, so this is chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. Yeah. Um, you up for it?
1: I, I'm in. Let's do this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One day Elisha went to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, "Behold, now I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there."
0: So let's just pause right. Maybe we can take breaks through. The yeah, that's this, a good idea. Yeah, let's can do that. We kind of break that. it up. So I think this is mm. fascinating because here this woman's like, "Hey, there's this guy. He's a holy man of God. Let's make him an apartment." Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's take care of this guy. Well,
1: I see it's yeah. very much biblical hospitality. You yeah, know, yeah. You see someone coming in who doesn't live here, and so typically they would take them in. But for to, to go the extra step to create a more permanent semi semi permanent residence for him yeah. means that you really want to minister for a long time, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this this hospitality kind of turns into treating him more like family, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think this says about the character of the woman at this point?
2: Well, I mean, I mean, at one level, I mean, she's she's God honoring.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: she's seeking to love those that are around her. Um, I mean, as you said, she's hospitable. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I think that's a huge marker, um, and she sees her wealth and family as such. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. she sees her resources as something that she can use to serve. You know, this man of God.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's really good. All right, let's keep going. Verse cool. eleven.
1: One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, "And he said to him, now, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway, and he said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to
0: her. Yeah. So this, is, I think, is fascinating Cause she does not actually request this miracle. Mm -hmm. Like she doesn't ask for it or anything. This is totally out of just the kindness of Elisha Mm -hmm. that he's going to do this thing. Um, I think what what we are beginning to see here is the, how the prophet Elisha is really a representative of God in, in some ways. And, um, and then how, um, the woman is sort of a representative for God's people, mm-hmm. um, in that sense. So, so, so as we continue to go through this, I think keeping that context in mind is helpful because then, because, yeah. because what we're kind of seeing here is they' I mean, they're doing this in imperfect ways, right? Um, you know, Elisha is just a, a, a shadow, a glimpse of what Christ is like. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in that, uh, I think keeping that parallel in mind helps us to understand kind of, the, I think, the main point of mm-hmm. what this this passage is about.
1: Well, these stories are, are really... I mean, it's no coincidence that this comes after Elisha was jeered in um, in Bethel, uh-huh. you know, and so then you have the famous She-Bears story. But before that, he was received and... Um, by Jericho. And so he also represents the word of the Lord. And, and you see like the way the word of the Lord is rejected or received yeah. means something because they're rejecting or or receiving God. Yeah. Um, and so now it's a more personal one-on-one family to family, which is kind of interesting that it, it goes from towns down to like individuals. An individual family. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah that's really good. All right. So let's jump ahead. You now, verse 18. Uh, what's going on?
1: When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It's neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, All is well. And then she saddled the donkey, and she said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. And so she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel.
0: So this is fascinating to me. So like, if you notice in here, there are very few descriptors of what's going on in the heart of the woman at this mm-hmm. point, right? Like, there's nothing in here to indicate like her emotion, things like that. She takes the the child and puts him in the apartment, right, into mm-hmm. Elijah's apartment up on the on the roof. And he, and in doing this, um, one of the commentators that I read on this said that. Um, this could be a way to sort of conceal that he had died, so that they don't start those, because um, they would have had like ritual gotcha. uh, mourning and oh, yeah. things like that that would have started, and then that would have started this whole process, and and so so maybe what was going on there was she was concealing him to kind of prevent that from happening, um, and then she doesn't tell the father uh, of, of the father of the child that um,
1: she says all is well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Actually, the word there is shalom.
1: That's okay. is, is what
0: she says It's is she she's like shalom. So peace. Peace, <laughs> right? Wow. Um, and and just and then like leaves and quickly, like she yeah. tells the servant, "Let's go. We got to we got to move quick." Okay. Um, and gets down there to um, to go see Elisha. But but I guess my question is is what is she feeling at this moment? Like is she is she wrecked over this? Is she um, like uh, is there anything in here that indicates how she might be feeling as as all this is going on?
2: Not yet. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, only I guess by action, I right? Yeah, yeah just, I mean, there's urgency. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, to to go do something. Yeah. Um like you said, there's a little bit of secrecy. You know, but you don't. Not yet. Do we know quite how she feels? Right.
1: Um. You know how? So before the podcast, you guys had we were talking about age of the son. Um. He's obviously small enough that he can sit on her lap. That's true. And that yeah. she had to carry him upstairs. Yeah. So he's got to be. Young, Some, yeah, like young younger. enough that she can. It'd
2: be nice to know what "grown" means. Yeah, because it yeah. says that he's grown. Yeah,
1: I would guess weaned.
2: You know. Yeah.
1: You know.
0: Maybe. Yeah. If he
1: can go out and be in the field all day and Let's see and help.
0: Hebrew, yigdal. I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> grown. <laughs> grown. <laughs> yeah. So that was not helpful. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes the Hebrew says what the English says, and that's. Good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, all right, well, let's keep going. Let's see what happens.
1: Okay. Um What verse are we on?
0: We're in the middle of 25.
1: Okay. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. Peace. Yeah. <laughs> When she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, "Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me." Then she said, "Did I ask my Lord for a son?"
0: Hold on a second. Let's, oh. well, let's stop right there for a second. That is a really fascinating statement that Elisha just makes. He says, "Leave her alone. She's in bitter distress." So we see. So so he recognizes her emotional state. Yeah. The Lord has hidden it from me. And has not told me. So So I think this is just fascinating because it seems as if on one side, Elisha may be used to this idea of the Lord revealing certain things to mm-hmm. him, um, which says one thing about like the role of the prophet, which I think is really fascinating. On the other side, he is also very dependent on the Lord yeah. for that revelation, right? So, and so since the Lord has not revealed this, then he's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, I don't I don't know what's going on, you know? Um, And so I, I think that that's a fascinating statement that he makes right there.
1: Then she said, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply and lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. It's (laughs) fascinating. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her. And when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. And then she picked up her son and went out.
0: Yeah. All right. Again, like if we're seeing the, these characters as being the sort of the representative of, of like the woman being a representation of God's people, Elisha being a representation of God himself, um, again, like we see these, these things done in imperfect ways. But this should give us a little bit of an uh, insight into what the meaning of this whole of this whole story is. I guess
1: my first question is what, what would cause you to think that she is paralleled with God's people? Let's start there. She
0: is very dedicated to Elisha. Like she wants to align herself with him and she does so like in three different instances in the story. So one by building the apartment, right? Um, Two by her uh, chasing after him to when this whole thing goes down, she's like, I got to go to him. I'm not going to tell the father, I'm not going to tell anyone else, I'm going to Elisha. And then there's the dedication to him when he, when he says, like, no, I will not leave you. Um, so there's this incredible dedication to Elisha, and she understands him to be, is what she says, a holy man of God. So, so there's, a, there's an extreme dedication there to him in that. But Well, how, how might Elisha represent God? in this situation. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. That that was kind of, you know, the next thought again, you know, the prophet is the, you know, the mouthpiece for God, you know, the one who delivers the word of the Lord. Um, so from her perspective, her being, um, attuned or interested in Elijah so closely would Mm -hmm. be a reflector for interest in God, Mm -hmm. you know, um, wanting to hear God's word for her life. Um, Mm -hmm. also her blessing towards him is, you know, her blessing, this man of God. So, as you said, I think, you know, this This does help show her posture. Um, but as you said earlier, it's also good to know that Elijah is not God. Mm-hmm. So he's limited in yeah. his yeah. abilities. Um, yeah. And him, he himself says that the Lord, him saying the Lord hasn't revealed this to him, as you said, is him actually making the statement that all of his power is given to him by God. Everything yeah. that he does is really God's power. That's probably even a better way to say it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I do agree. It helps present kind of this picture of not, you know, not necessarily like a one-to-one, what do you do if you have a child who comes ill, you know, but it does give a picture of somebody who is looking to God's, um, for their will for their life, but already committed to him, Mm -hmm. you know, regardless of outcome, because they're already, she's already faithful, Mm -hmm. you know, at least as far as we know. Um, and then, you know, Elijah comes in and then she receives God's blessing, Mm -hmm. remains faithful, but still seeking the Lord for answers. And the best place she knows to go for answers is the mouthpiece of God, you know, which we could say is in one sense at times is a one-to-one word, word from the Lord. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, if you were to parallel ourselves, you would say, well, that's, that's the posture we have to take in these difficult circumstances is right. to go to God's word, which is now written. Yeah. But
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. It, 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 it reminded me of James chapter four, where he says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Um, and and in that there's this idea that here's the woman who is refusing to really make herself a friend with the world she she is constantly seeking towards making friendships with god like like she wants to make this friendship with god mm-hmm. and she does so through the prophet um and so just how how key that is to her story that um that 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 that's her that's kind of her stance like she's she's just wanting to be in the camp of being a friend friend of god mm-hmm. you know?
2: Yeah, I, I I keep thinking of the image of Jesus. You know, we're we looking at Matthew. I think it's chapter six or chapter five. You know, where Jesus heals um, three different people in three scenarios. So first, he's going to heal the um, the child of the rich the ruler. Mm-hmm. Then he heals the lady who's been hemorrhaging for like twelve years.
0: Oh uh, yeah, um, Gyrus and, yeah, and then
2: he goes and he heals. Um, he heals a blind man, all in the same chapter, and, and in all three of these examples, um, it says you know because of. You know, Because of their faith, they've been healed. So there's something in relation to their faith to Jesus. But the broader picture is really when we see healings even by the works of Jesus, what does it tell us about him? Um, and I think what it tells us is that one thing it tells us, um, one option, you know, Jesus doesn't heal everybody on mm-hmm. this life. So right. we can't say that it just says that Jesus is going to heal everyone. But we can say is that when God interacts with people in the flesh, um, he can't help but to have compassion on them. Yeah, and That's what a lot of commentators say, why Jesus heals the people he interacts with, because he can't help but to have compassion on them. So now we look right. back at this story and we see God, a representative God, um, can't... His, his only, his default is compassion, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for someone that's in distress. Yeah, um, That's God's default for where, where he finds us. Um, and in the flesh, and in many of these examples we see either through the works of Jesus in the New Testament or through the example of God working through prophets in the Old Testament, we see God's default stance being having compassion on those yeah. um, who are um, being faithfully committed to him mm-hmm. and believe that God has the ability to help them. Right.
1: I think if we're going to compare this story to the miracles of Jesus, yeah. that um, I, I think it's important to think as well about how much um, glory and how much um, divinity and power are on display here. Um, because truly, once there was a miracle of Jesus, people would believe that he's the Son of God, that mm-hmm. he is God himself. Um, and so I, I, have to. I think I'd want to sit and wrestle with this just a little bit longer, just to compare how, how um, Elisha is, you know, representing just the power of God. And I think mm-hmm. that we've talked about this before. Perhaps in teacher training, I can't remember on the podcast, but if we're comparing this resurrection to um, when Jesus raises like Jairus' daughter, mm-hmm. um, obviously Elisha has to call on the name of the Lord, and we see that right yeah. here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and 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 Jesus doesn't have to do that because right. he is mm-hmm. the Lord.
0: Yeah. yeah, actually, the the more direct parallel to this story is in Luke chapter it's uh, Luke chapter seven uh, mm-hmm. verses verse eleven, where mm-hmm. uh, it's raising the the son of a of a of a widow at Nain and uh, Scott actually brought this up at the end of his message kind of po- pointing out that parallel yeah. but what's fascinating about that story it says uh, in verse 13 it says when the lord saw her so he, he sees Jesus sees the woman and um how how broken she is like they at this point they are carrying the body out on yeah. like a on like a like a board mm-hmm. and um and it says he had compassion on her is what it says. Mm -hmm. He actually uses the word compassion there and said to her, do not weep. And then he comes up, he, he, he puts his hand on the, on the board and he just says, young man arise. Mm -hmm. And he, and and he raises up. So yeah, like, like the, the, uh, the power is so much different. Like, and Elisha, I think understands that it says that he prays to the Lord there. So it's very, very different. Um, but I think the the compassion aspect is really is really the 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 main thing. You know, you know what's interesting about this too is like I mean, so Scott brought this up too. He asked about like who receives resurrection, you know, and and he pointed out like really the, it's the woman that's receiving the son back and and things like that. So so the the blessing is there, um, but when it, when it comes to who it, who actually receives this kind of grace, what Scott pointed out was that it's really the it's those who understand that. They are powerless within themselves to save themselves, right? Um, that they don't have the ability to do that, um, and and that really puts for like. And this is one of the things I thought was really good. You know, this got brought up was this whole dichotomy between what you called religion and grace, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this this religion type of thing that says, "Hey, I can, I can save myself." by doing X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. you know, If I say the prayers, if I do the rituals, yada, 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 then I'm good, and God owes me, right, versus, mm-hmm. versus grace. Um, in what ways do we end up kind of slipping back then into that sort of religion aspect you know, of, 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 of belief? Like, how do, we, how do we kind of start to fall back into that, and why, do, why, why is it so important that we, that we come back out of that then into this place of recognizing, man, I can't do it myself?
2: I was I was just thinking Scott made a joke in his sermon about um kale. I think he made a joke about kale shakes. Is that what he was saying? He
1: said kale salads. Kale and, salads. And, yeah, yeah I, he said I don't kale know, salads. And,
2: and and I think I think that is, you know. Which
1: was offensive because I ate a kale salad at least twice a week.
2: <laughs> but so so again, I, I think even religion doesn't have to mean just just the way that we that we approach God, mm-hmm. but it's the way that we approach um any scenario, so we, we can be religious about it, or mm-hmm. we can be. And so, I think in the conversation of death, which was a lot of what we're talking about, um, we can all have a tendency to veer too far into the category of trying to um, even control our own um, life. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the the wow. amount of life we have. You know, the amount of, um, and and we can become so obsessed with it um, that it actually becomes. Um, a response to us not trusting in God for His conquering of death, mm-hmm. um, and and I think that's one of that's one of the things we do, we do see um, that the people that are faithfully committed to God, um, when you're you know you're faithful to God and His plan for your life, being even when you die, um, you're also trusting in God for. Um, the work of Christ, death on the cross, and victory over death Mm -hmm. for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is why, you know, we can look at and this is where the stories don't parallel Mm because you got a prophet, you know, raising someone from the dead. Then we're talking about Jesus raising people from the dead. Mm -hmm. But if we're really true to ourselves, Jesus has defeated death for all of us, you know. And so while death is the enemy, it's defeated in Christ. So faithfulness to him means trusting in him um, with the path for our life. Now... I, there is another side of the coin you eat big macs every day for the rest of your life you're not taking care of your body as a temple that's a whole other conversation sure, sure. but we can be um come so religious with our attempt to avoid death yeah rather than being faithful to god mm-hmm. um and i think that's that's kind of the challenge that we face that faithfulness is trusting in god for his path and his plan for our life that yeah. you know um as a new parent it's painful but you know, I—I I mean, I, I will be honest. I think the thoughts probably roam for most of most of our heads on Sunday. I'm like, if if Graham were to pass away, um, God is still faithful, mm-hmm. you know, and and I'm trusting in Him because you know Christ has defeated death, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's an interesting parallel. But but again, it's like that is that's what we're saying. Faithfulness looks like is trusting in God, um, regardless because, of regardless of, the, regardless of the, yeah. the circumstance. In this scenario, we have a prophet of God. Who um, God has given the ability to work through Him to raise this boy's life in the New Testament, we see Jesus Christ do these things Himself because He possesses the authority. But in our life, we're reminded that Christ um, has conquered death, mm-hmm. and so we walk faithfully as such. Yeah, she's receiving grace because she actually believes that Elijah can can provide yeah. for her. Yeah. <laughs> so I almost that, wonder, you know, like
1: the the application here is is. So much closer to the the intense um, faith and love of Elisha that she would be willing to just like lean into whatever he has for mm-hmm. her. That's right. There's something there in that relationship that I think
2: is kind of what I was trying to get to yeah, earlier with yeah. the fact that all three examples given in Matthew chapter five, I believe that it says because Jesus says to them because of your faith. Yeah. And so I'm not saying like they had enough faith that God was like, okay, yeah. you, you hit the marker. Now I can heal you. Mm-hmm. But there's a level of believing that he can, yeah. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that, that, that relates to this. And that's yeah. what, that's what I was trying to transition it to. It's, it's you, you receive grace because um, God has the capacity to give grace and, mm-hmm. And you have the capacity to recognize that God has the capacity to give grace,
0: right? And, and it, that's simply
2: why you receive it. Yeah, exactly. That's what faithfulness is. Exactly. You
0: know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's recognizing that within yourself you don't have that ability. Yes, mm-hmm. you don't. You just don't. You can't. Yeah. I, I love the quote that we use uh, in membership class. That, that we membership class, we show this video where it's like Matt Chandler preaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at one point in the video, he talks about. He says and I've seen it so many times now, but he says, uh, uh, you don't possess the power of life and death. You can't resurrect anything. Right. Like that's what he says. And I was like, yeah, like that's, that's so true. And yet so, so often, I think we come back to this place where we think that we can, Mm -hmm. like, you know, we, we think that we think that we can do that sort of thing. And whether that's through ritualistic, religious type of things, you know, whatever, um, it becomes legalism at that Mm -hmm. point. And, Mm -hmm. and we can't, we can't, we can't rest in that because we don't possess that kind of power. I, I think what what this story is showing us is how when we when we come to that place where we're like, I don't possess that kind of power and I need the power of God within me, it's recognizing that God is the only one that has that power. Um, that's really when we see God move and act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think I want to bring this down to sort of a a, a practical standpoint now, because what what does that mean then for us? Um, Because we may have some some listeners and I'd say, I mean, I'd say at times even ourselves when we're in a position where we think that we have more power than we actually do, Mm -hmm. you know, and at what point do we um, are we actually in in that sense, um, relying on ourselves, or relying on 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 this sort of false sense of this ability? to do this sort of stuff, um, to, uh, to bring life when, when we can't really bring life, you know? Um, and how do we move out of that? How do we move more into the, into the space of trusting God, uh, believing that he's the only one that can do that. And then, and then relying on him fully.
1: I think that I would start at the beginning of this passage where, um, we see this Shunammite, um, who's wealthy and seems to have everything that she needs and, in align with the fact that she just gave herself to the Lord because we have to guess out of love, mm-hmm. out of um, just devotion and mm-hmm. just wanting to let um, her life be united to the Lord. Yeah. Um, and I think we have to ask ourselves, where do we find that kind of devotion within ourselves? Yeah. Like, what does it take for me to... Love the Lord so much that I would just give my entire self to Him, yeah. including my children. Yeah.
0: You know. Well, that's what I think is fascinating because I think for the most part, I mean, we would agree we don't actually have the capacity to do that. We, <laughs> in our full in our fallen nature, we always come back to like, oh no, I, I think I can always right. do it, right?
1: So you come back to that it has to come to the the complete grief of my sin and knowing what yeah. Jesus Christ has done yeah. for it,
0: and how the Lord even at times will break us of that, you know, like he'll, yeah. he'll maybe even put circumstances yeah. in our, in our life that puts us, you know, in a place of like almost desperation, mm-hmm. you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so difficult to say practically how does, how does a person walk this path? Because yeah. I think where we're all, where we're all starting is a different place. Like for some people it's like, okay, you, you might have something you put your trust in um, outside of God yeah. that you're really, you're really Resting in, and, and maybe you're just now realizing it through this conversation, yeah. and so then okay, you have to kind of remove your trust from that thing and place your trust back in God. For some of us, you may say, okay, we, we're working to recognize um, our fallen nature and we're trying to place our trust in God, but then still along the way, we have a tendency to not fully trust Him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think I think it's just a reminder, like it's is a blanket word that's not super practical, but it's like walk faithfully, mm-hmm. like walk walk with God. Um, what is, you know, ask yourself questions like, what is the aim of your faith? Mm -hmm. What is the aim of your relationship with God? Um, I've been facing this more as I talk to students, you know, a lot of students, they have the tendency to look around and say, oh, I want what that student has. That's why I want to have a relationship with God. Rather than saying, like, no, actually, I just want to, like, dwell that I believe that Jesus Christ is, you know, <laughs> the God of the, u- the universe, and I want to dwell with God forever, <laughs> you know, and I, and I want to grow in his likeness, and I want him to form me, and that, you know, they, we almost look around and we go, we want something else. And so I think we have to remind ourselves, okay, what is the aim of our faith, you know, to grow in the likeness of God, but also just to sit and dwell with God forever, mm-hmm. uh, because that's where peace and all goodness and justice and everything we want lies, but then at the same time, we have to say, okay, what are the things that we're trusting in that are preventing us from doing that? Yeah. And do that for the rest of our life.
0: And, and that process <laughs> you know? is really, really interesting because I think you can start that even right now. You can yeah. look at your own actions. You can look at the, the things that you say or the, the even the things that you think about and look at those things and see what what do those things say about where my faith is? Mm-hmm. You know, um, those I, I think all of those things end up being a tell for what we're really trusting in mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And if you look at those, uh, let's say you look at your actions, you're like, wow, why am I running to X mm-hmm. when I should be doing what this woman did and, I, and I'm running to the holy man of God, you know, yeah. like why, why am I running to, you know, wh- whether it's, you know, alcohol, drugs, food, pornography, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I'm running to all of these things instead of I'm running to the holy man of God, you know, mm-hmm. Um there's... So So just just sort of evaluating, I Absolutely. think your actions, your words, your thoughts um, can be a tell to where, where your heart really is. Um, now, do we always get it right? No, no. So mm-hmm. be encouraged. Like not everyone gets it right. Um, <laughs> but, but I think too, that's an important thing. Uh, kind, kind of a kind of a practical way to start to assess where you are with this. And, mm-hmm. and,
2: I, and I even want to say it from another level here. And, and I don't want to lay, raise these people up to the level of, you know, these, the, they're these they're just people in the Bible. So people, people. I was going to say I don't want to raise these people up to biblical characters, but I, I don't even want but to say that's a thing. They're just all people. So <laughs> people. Um, just I remember there was a season in my life at this <laughs> church where I interacted with a lot of older um, faithful people in our church who had lost children. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by how um little it was like obvious to me that they had lost children in their life. Yeah. Something that something that you would think was so incredibly traumatic, which it is, and it was on their life. Yep. But yet um they remain faithful to God. Um and God has worked in their life and through them in in, in incredible ways. Um the point of this story is God is faithful Mm -hmm. regardless, um, if God, you know, if God through Elijah resurrects the son or not, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and, and I guess that's kind of what I'm reminding us is, you know, our posture towards God is to grow in faithfulness, not for sake of outcome, um, but for sake of who God is. And I think we see that in these stories, um, that these people are faithful, but we also see, man, there are plenty of people in our church where, um, you know, they, they probably thought the will for their life was that their child you know, came back and it didn't happen. And God's worked in tremendous ways and they're trusting in him. Right. And so I know that's kind of morbid and dark, but it's, but I think it's it's just, it's a reminder of what life is and what's really the mission. Um, Not the mission, but what's really the message of a passage like this um, is that God's faithful.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, hey guys, thanks for this conversation today. This is a, this is a really interesting and kind of difficult passage to, to, to wrestle through, uh, but we hope that you found it uh, helpful to you as you're, as you're going through your week this week. Um, if you have any questions, we would love to talk with you, reach out to us. Uh, all of our emails are on the website, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and so you can reach out to us, but we would love to chat with you. And then, um, yeah, next week we're gonna be wrapping up this series uh the gods and kings series with one more story and uh i'm actually i don't remember which one it is are we doing name next week i
2: no clue i've i don't, <laughs> i don't remember <laughs> so
0: well we'll find out next week on the sunday recap we'll see you then